Are you a Christian who wants to go deeper into the roots of your faith? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Grafted, Jewish Roots of Christianity. This is a podcast for Christians who want to understand the Jewishness of Jesus and his word. I'm your host, Stephanie Pavlantos. I'm a bit of a Bible nerd. I'm also an author and a Bible teacher. In this podcast, we will stretch and maybe even challenge you to look at Scripture from a Hebraic point of view. We want to help you understand Scripture through the lens of the Hebrew language, culture, and history. Thank you for joining us. So thank you for being here today. And I have Gina Hood with me. Gina is a Christ follower first and a Bible student of many decades. She is also a wife and a mother of two young adult sons. Gina writes her expository Christian blog to share what she learns in her own personal devotions. She writes for her own learning and the edification of her readers, but most importantly, for the glory of God. Gina and I have had different conversations. We have met actually first online. And we realized that we had this common ideas, common interests. And, um, and so then we started a conversation. So thank you, Gina, for taking time in your day to talk to us. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me, Stephanie. You're welcome. And Gina is from Georgia, right? That's so right. I am from up near Cleveland, so you will recognize a little bit of a Southern accent with her. It's just cute. (laughs) Just a little bit. (laughs) So, Gina, I have heard some interesting things, but I'd like you to share those things with um, our listeners because I want them to hear how you became, because you are a Gentile believer in Jesus, You're not Jewish at all from my understanding, but you are taking classes. You are taking Hebrew and such to learn more. But can you talk a little bit about how you got interested in all of that? What was like, what was maybe even the trigger or what led up to that point that you wanted to start diving into Jewish scriptures and Jewish traditions? Well, from a very young age, I was taken to the Baptist church by my parents. They were both Baptists. And uh, so I grew up in the Baptist church. And in the Baptist tradition, I made a decision at about nine years old to follow Jesus Christ, to to um, attach my soul to, to, to him and to as the vernacular puts it, become a Christian. Okay. So, um, I made that decision at a very young age, but I think when I was old enough to know what I was doing. And then as a teenager, uh, you know, when you become a teenager, that's where the rubber really meets the road. That's where you're, you're beginning to be exposed to people who don't believe like you do, and you're encountering ideas that are different from the ones you grew up with. And at that time, I reaffirmed my commitment to follow Christ and ended up going to a Bible college, a very, a very fundamentalist Bible college, actually, where I stayed four years studying the Bible, uh, graduated with my degree in education, began to teach got married, had children. All along the way, I was attending Baptist churches, 
uh, I, I dipped into Presbyterianism a little bit, um, emerged from that, went back to the Baptist church. And uh, I felt like, Stephanie, that I, I knew the Bible pretty well. I mean, I don't mean that to sound like an arrogant statement, but when I retired from education in 2014, excuse me, 2011, I began in 2014 to blog. And I've always loved studying the Bible, always loved it. And so I thought, well, you know, I'll start this blog because it will help me in my own personal devotions to write about what I study. And I've not blogged in a a couple of years now. And um, one of the reasons is because I've, I've gone into more of a study, a deeper studying phase than a more of a output phase, more of a teaching phase. I've become more of a student. And and you asked me how that came about. Um, I have a friend uh, who is a Messianic believer. She does have uh, some Jewish blood. And I, and I mentioned that because not because I think it matters that much, uh, because we're all the bride of Yeshua, Jesus, Yeshua being his Hebrew name. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I only mentioned that it's just a thing to, to note, but at any rate, she does have Jewish blood and she has studied Judaism for many years. In fact, almost decided to convert to Judaism, but, uh, she's a, a, a believer in, uh, Yeshua Hamashiach, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah, the anointed one. So she invited me over to her house to hear her teach on something called the red heifer. Now, I found that very intriguing. And do you know why I found it so intriguing? Because I had never heard of this mysterious red heifer. I was like, what the heck is that? You know, so I I just didn't know anything about it. So I thought, well, naturally, I have to go and find out what this red heifer is about. And so I went. And I was just astounded by the teaching on the red heifer, astounded. You know, we, we hear this expression in, in the, in the evangelical Protestant church. And it goes something like, uh, the Old Testament points to Jesus. It points to Jesus Christ and you can see him all through the Old Testament. Well, when you, when you really study the Jewish roots of our faith, you really do see him all through the Old Testament. And this, this red heifer teaching, um, uh, the, the parallels of that, you know, to, to where, uh, you see things that you, you, you wouldn't have otherwise noticed, um, it, it, I, I just was astounded and I wanted to learn more. As a matter of fact, I wanted to learn more. So I just continued to study. Um, in Hebrew, red heifer is para aduma. It, it means heifer red. It, it's really an interesting teaching. Sometime maybe we could do a, a, a podcast on that teaching. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there, there were, there are things about that that really point to the Lord. I think that when you encounter something like that, it makes you go, whoa, wait a minute. Why had I never heard about this before? And so that was, that was really the jumping off point for me, Stephanie. There's a Torah portion 
that speaks about the red heifer. And the Torah portion is basically the weekly teaching, correct me if I'm wrong, that every synagogue around the world teaches each week. So they're all on the same page. They all have a universal type of teaching. And whether you're a Messianic Jew or an Orthodox Jew, then you have the same teaching. And I think it was about a month ago that the teaching on the red heifer came up for Shabbat, basically. And this red heifer was was an animal, had to be a female, had Mm -hmm. to be um, basically a virgin. It couldn't have had any offspring. And it had to be perfectly red. I mean, there couldn't even be two hairs that were white. That's correct. And it was a type of offering for a certain certain kind of cleanse, right? Like, so it was a it was sin offering. It's a sin offering. Uh, in Hebrew, it's a chatat offering. I think it's pronounced chatat actually, with the emphasis on the first syllable. It's a, it's a sin offering. That's, that's correct. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's very interesting. You're right. And it's very worth a deep dive into that. And, and you can look it up. You can just do even your own research on the red heifer and Jesus, and you'll be able to find the parallels. That is basically how I started studying. I would just find parallels. And, and I think when we talk that Jesus is throughout the old Testament that doesn't mean anything to most people, you know, because, because they don't, they're like, well, I don't see his name. I don't see him mentioned. So therefore I don't see what you're talking about. But when you put these parallels to this red heifer and, and even to, of course, the Passover lamb, there, those parallels, even the priests, the high priests, because we see in Hebrews what the high priest was Jesus, you know, he is the ultimate high priest, but, but they had to understand what a high priest job was while they were still on earth. So they could see Jesus in it. Jesus is compared to Moses. There's all these correlations. I told someone just this morning, the more I study Moses, the more I see Jesus. Right. And not that Moses was a perfect man. He was not deity, but he is a prophet like Moses. And when you study Moses, you see mm-hmm. why God called Jesus a prophet like Moses. And so there's all these correlations. And that's what we mean when we say that Jesus is in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. That's right. And one other little thing I wanted you to mention before we move on was you gave a very cool analogy about yogurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you talked to somebody um, and explained, and I thought it was pretty cool. So you want to, you want to tell that little story? We were, we were talking about um, the, the Old Testament and how in modern day Christianity, there are, there's a, there's a segment that absolutely wants to disregard it to some extent, disdain it. I was using an analogy from a memory that I have from when I was in Bible college. Um, this was in the mid to late 1970s. And um, yogurt had just become a thing. In fact, not everybody knew even what it was. But I had had some. I had seen it in the uh, snack bar there at school. And I brought uh, a carton of Dannon peach yogurt back to the room. 
uh, and my roommate saw it and said, what is that? And I said, well, it's yogurt. And uh, she says, what is yogurt? And I said, well, here, take a bite. So uh, she she took a spoon, you know, and she took a bite of the yogurt. Well, now this was this was in the early days when yogurt first came out. It was not blended for you uh, younger folks out there. You know, a lot of times when you buy yogurt today, it's all blended up. But in the old days, when yogurt came out, the good stuff was on the bottom. She did not stir up the fruit from the bottom before she took her bite. She just got in there and she got that spoon and she took a little, she was hesitant because she wasn't sure she trusted me. So she just took a little bite off the top and she put it in her mouth and her reaction was not very pleasant. She was pretty grossed out, you might say. Um, she did not like it at all. And uh, so I started laughing. She says, how do you stand that? That is terrible. And I said, well, now watch this. So I took a spoon and I stirred it up, thoroughly blended it up. And I said, now I'll take a bite. And so she took her spoon and she took a bite and she was amazed and wouldn't give it back to me, I might add. So I think, you know, she still owes me for a yogurt. I need to remind that um, to her the next time I see her. But it's it's a great analogy for uh, studying God's word. You know, a, a lot of the times when people have objections to the Bible, especially the Old Testament, uh, they have only taken a small bite off of the top and all they're tasting is, is, uh, a misleading even, uh, bite of God's word. And in order to get the full measure of God's word, you really do have to study it deeply. The Jews have an expression called pardes and each each letter, each of the, each of the consonants in Pardis represent a level of meaning of the scriptures. P stands for Peshat. And that's just the literal meaning of God's written word. R stands for Remez. And, and that's a hint. Uh, it's, it's an extra hint in addition to the literal. For example, you mentioned the law of first mention. So, Where was this word first found? Where was this concept first found? D stands for drosh, and that's the application level. How do I apply it in my life? And then sod is what you might call the hidden level, the mystery level, the more symbolic level, the deepest level. And so, uh, you know, sowed is represented by the fruit on the bottom. You know, you, in order to get the full measure of God's word, you have to stir up from the bottom. Hmm. That's really, really good. And that's so interesting. And, and you made me think of something because you talk, you mentioned the word remez. Mm-hmm. And it's R-E-M-E-Z. Right. And like you said, it's a hint. And Jesus used that on the cross. It was explained to me that when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That it wasn't so much because God was forsaken him, but it's the beginning of Psalm 22. And if you read Psalm 22, you will find that that is all about the crucifixion 
of the Messiah. That's right. So mm-hmm. a remez is this hint. And this was a teaching moment, basically, if you want to think about it. Jesus was teaching his disciples from the cross. That's right. And what a rabbi would do is they would start, from what I understand, they would start what we might call a passage of scripture or a psalm. And then their students were to finish it by their hint, by the rabbi's hint. So when he would quote, then they had to quote the rest. So in this way, what he was doing is pointing them to Psalm 22 Mm. by, and in that regard, they would see, because Psalm 22 mentions that they cast lots for Mm -hmm. my clothing. They're going to see that happening as they're going over that Psalm in their head. No bone in my body will be broken. You know, Um, Mm -hmm. all these different phrases that we know are truth about the crucifixion and they see it being played out right before their eyes. They see Psalm 22 being played out before them. And that's so interesting and such a cool teaching, a teaching way, I guess a teaching, I don't know what I want to call it, but um, it's just such a cool thing that it's totally foreign Mm -hmm. because it's so Jewish. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, You know, I was listening to Amir Safarti yesterday. Um, he had posted something on his YouTube channel and he was, he was speaking to a group. He, he said that, uh, he, he is from Israel and he was converted to belief in Yeshua and it was done completely through the Old Testament. Uh, because as a Jewish person, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you try to witness to a Jewish person, using the new testament you're not going to get anywhere they they view the new testament as being a totally different religion from judaism um they view it as being a religion that has persecuted them over the centuries and they just really want nothing to do with the new testament so you have to use the old testament to witness to uh a, you know a person with a jewish background and um, amir said the passage of the Old Testament that really got to him was Isaiah 53. And if you look at the, uh, at the Parsha, the, I think the plural of that is Parshat. If you look at the Parshat, um, Isaiah 53 is skipped as the Tanakh had, the Old Testament, the Tanakh has been, uh, carved up into these segments each Parsha, the Parsha right before Isaiah 53 is the first part of Isaiah 52. And then it skips all the way to Isaiah 54. You have to ask yourself why, you know, why was that done? You know, and so he was, he was talking about how he was converted by studying Isaiah 53, the New Testament. And he goes on to say, you know, Jesus and the disciples did not have the New Testament. So when they were preaching and teaching, they were preaching and teaching from the Old Testament. They, they were writing the New Testament. So, um, you know, for us to, as believers in Yeshua, to disparage the Old Testament and to 
somehow disparage the people who have studied it for centuries and generations, that's just, I believe, incredibly short-sighted. And the more I've studied uh, with Old Testament scholars, the more I have really seen that to be true. Great point. And so true. You're right. Because, I mean, I met a couple that I used to go to church with and basically they they came and said, why are you reading the Old Testament? They came up to me. Why are you even bothering? Jesus did away with that. And I'm like, where do you read that? You know, and it's it is amazing because there's false teaching out there. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing one person tell me that their pastor just said, pull out the book of Acts. You don't need it. You don't need it. And it's like, what? But everywhere that the word of God is mentioned in the New Testament is actually referring to the Old Testament (laughs) because it wasn't written. That's so true. You know, um, it helps me to think about the written word of God and the living Torah, um, the the living word of God. Uh, Jesus is the living word of God. Um, The written word of God is, I believe, the Tanakh, which is the Old Testament, plus the New Testament, which in Hebrew is the Brit Kadashah. So it's the whole of scripture. And when, when we think about, let's, let's, let's just really think about this for a minute now. Our Savior lived as a Torah observant Jew. Let's think about that for a minute. And when the term Christian began to come into vogue, it was a derogatory term that people applied to people of the way. They were called people of the way before they came to be called Christians. And Christianity and Christian really only began to catch hold in the Gentile church. Prior to that, believers in Yeshua, believers in Jesus, were Jews and they worshiped in the Jewish synagogues and, and, and they held meetings in homes and so on and so forth. There were no buildings with crosses on the top of them and, and statues of saints and this and that. There was none of that. These people considered themselves to be Jews. And to be followers of the religion that Jesus followed, which was the religion of the Old Testament, which we know as Judaism. Now, there becomes a departure point at some point, oftentimes, and you have to have discernment when you're, when you're studying, because just like in Christianity, there's a, a, a great diversity. Um, I, I call it a fragmentation of, of the truth. You'll find that with Messianic groups as well. At least that's what I found. Not everybody believes exactly the same thing. And if I come across, you know, a teaching that doesn't jive with what I believe the scriptures say, I just don't embrace it. I just don't, you know, I just don't adopt it. At some point, uh, you have to say, from whence does our salvation come? Okay, and that is the key point. What must I do to receive eternal life? Just like the question that people asked Jesus in the New Testament. What must I do to be saved? 
And the answer was, believe on the name of the Son of God, and you will have eternal life. And anyone who rejects Jesus as divine, the divine Son of God, not just a man called the Messiah, but the divine Son of God, that's where I have a breaking point, because I firmly believe that, yes, he was the perfect man, but by his own words, he claimed to be God, and I believe that he was God. But there are some who uh, claim to be believers, and, and they will say, I don't believe Jesus is God. And and, and I have a, a departure point there. Right, because he wasn't, yeah, you made the point, he wasn't just God. He is God. He continues to be God. He was there in the beginning. Correct. Scripture tells us, and we need discernment. We need the Holy Spirit. We need to be in prayer when we hear something that doesn't jive because it, it, because there's two sides to look at it. You know, there are things that you just mentioned. They don't necessarily correspond with what you've been taught. So it's like you have a choice. Either you pray, you ask for discernment, Lord, is this truth or is it untruth? Is it something I need to embrace Mm -hmm. or is it something I need to shun? And that's where the rubber meets the road because it's at that point, the Holy Spirit will lead you. Nope. Throw that away. You know, Um, I write Bible studies and I have a tendency to get on a tangent and I've had the Holy Spirit say, don't go there. Don't go there. Get back, get back on this path. And that's where we have to be. Mm very sensitive to the Holy Spirit and in prayer, because I even invite people, don't just believe what I'm telling you, Mm -hmm. look it up, do your own research. And most of all, pray, ask the Lord, am I to embrace this or should I shun it? Those are my choices. Right. And I want to make another point too, because, because I think that you've made so many good points that I want to kind of go back to things that number one, when I was advertising this podcast, somebody wrote, don't worship the Jews. And I wrote, that's right. We are not worshiping the Jews. We are not putting them on a pedestal saying, oh, there are people I'm trying to attain to. No, we are trying to attain to the holiness of Jesus, the Messiah. That okay. is our goal to be like him. Correct. This podcast the way that you believe, the way that I believe, and the way that most, I would say, if not all of my guests believe that it is the Messiah we are following. We are not following the Jews. We are not worshiping the Jews. I actually had a man be very, uh, he was kind of unkind, but he said, so do you worship all Jews or just uh, Messianic ones? You know, because I was defending something in the scriptures that he had actually misquoted. So he looked at me as a kind of like a Jew sympathizer. Now, I believe they are God's people. I believe that God loves them as much as anyone else on this planet. And he wants them to come into the fullness of who he is. Right. He wants to have the relationship with them that you and I have with him. He wants that more than anything. And we need to be in prayer for Jewish people so that they come to know their Messiah. Right. But there is so much truth that as 
Greek-minded people, because it doesn't matter whether you're Greek or not, most of what we have learned is comes from the Greek style of learning. Mm -hmm. Even the way we have taught, been taught to study our Bibles, the way our pastors have been taught to study their Bibles in seminary is a very Greek way. Excellent point. So what it is, is retraining yourself to study in a Hebraic way, because it was a very different way of studying scripture. Just like you gave those, those, I think there were four or five steps that you said, you know, you start out just reading scripture, but every step goes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And it takes discipline to do that. It takes a willingness to Mm -hmm. know not only just scripture, but Jesus, right? I mean, He, like you said, he is the living word. The more that we get involved in his Bible words, you know, and I'm I'm putting it that way for a reason, the more we learn about who he is through this book, through these words he's Mm -hmm. given us. And, And I think that we're both just so passionate about that because it's not just about head knowledge. And I, I want to make that clear. This is not just about head knowledge. This is about heart knowledge, because the more I understand about scriptures, the more I understand about Jesus. Something that I think is a really important point is, is that, you know, and and I, I emphasize this with my ladies Bible study a lot. It's so important to understand the difference between justification and sanctification justification, and I'm not explaining this for you, but to to maybe someone who will hear this podcast and be unfamiliar with those terms, they're critically important. Justification is the process whereby a a person's soul is eternally transformed, eternally and in a moment changed. When the decision, when an act of the will takes place, in response to the leading of the Holy Spirit to make a decision to be a follower of Jesus Christ, that justification is a process, a supernatural process, which God himself performs, which immediately and forever makes that person in right standing with God. It immediately absolves us of our sins, casts them into the depths of the deepest sea, and makes us as pure and holy as if we had never sinned. Justification just as if we had never sinned. Now, studying the Hebrew scriptures and digging and digging and learning and learning, all of that has nothing to do with my justification. That is settled. It is forever eternally settled. It has everything to do with my sanctification. That process you mentioned of wanting to become more and more like the Savior. And my view of him has changed. Not my view of him as to whether or not he is God or not, because he most certainly is. But my understanding of the life he lived... uh, my understanding of first century Jewish culture, of the things that the New Testament takes for granted. Uh, the Bible is a holy and inspired book, but it was written primarily to people who had deep 
understandings of Jewish life and Jewish culture. And those are things which we have lost. I want to go back to to, uh, something else that you said. Um, Something else I've come to realize as I've studied is the demonic spirit of anti-Semitism. There's a, what I believe is a demonic spirit, which causes people who call themselves Christians and people who don't call themselves any, any religion to hate the Jews. And it, you know, it's supernatural because there's no other people group in history that has been so hated as has been the Jews and not just hated in a small period of time, but hated across centuries. And it's, it's a subtle teaching in, in some segments of the church. On the one hand, we say that the Jews are God's chosen people, but on the other hand, we get nuances of a spirit of anti-Semitism. Now, to be fair, in, in uh, Judaism, there is a hatred of Christians, at least of Christian theology. There, there's, I think, an equally demonic spirit going on that prevents people of Jewish heritage from even investigating uh, the claims that Jesus Christ made. It's easy to look at Christians and to make derogatory judgments because the church uh, right now is is going through a thing um, and and we there there's some problems and of course Christians are on their own path to sanctification. So we're imperfect at best, you know. Uh, so if you, if you look at followers of Christ and look at their institutions, it's easy to be disparaging. In a similar vein, a lot of people who claim to be Jewish are not religious at all. So there's been this tremendous satanic schism that has come about that was not present in the early church. And my belief is, that we have to get back to that. We have to get back to that unity that was present in the first century church between the two, what you might call faiths. Um, Satan has, uh, and, and God has allowed it uh, because he, he orchestrates and controls all things. He is sovereign. None of this has taken him by surprise, but he has allowed the enemy to fracture us tremendously. And what I long to see is for Christians to see the beauty in Judaism and to learn from the Jews and to see the Jews come to know the Savior and to learn from those who claim his name. Then we will truly be the bride of Christ when that happens. Amen. That's wonderful. That is just, that's so true. And I think you summed so many things up in a nutshell, because I love that you explained justification and sanctification, because these are, these are Christian ease words, you know, they get thrown around a lot by pastors and, and people. And then there's people who are just like, yeah, I don't know what any of that means. And no one takes the time to explain it. They just keep using these words. And I'm just out here wondering, 
am I even right with the Lord? Because I don't know if I've been justified. I don't know if I've been sanctified. I don't, I don't even know what to do. And so um, thank you for bringing that up. I think that's just mm-hmm. a very timely explanation. And so I appreciate that. And I mean, I just, I love where this conversation has gone today because I think, and we don't, you know, like, I just want people to know, I mean, when I pray and ask the Lord to take control of this podcast and take control of our, our topics and where we go, we didn't hit many things that I had on my paper that I thought we might talk about And So that's what I love. I love that because I think that's when you've invited the Holy spirit and say, okay, I don't know what somebody needs to hear out there, but you do. Right. So you lead us to that. You get us to that place where we are now talking to somebody who's listening. Right. And and I think that's what we've done. I really do believe that that's what we are doing now and what we have done throughout this podcast, because I think that there are people who need to, to hear that about justification, who needs to hear about sanctification, who needs to hear about the Jewish people and how they came you know, just even the, the anti-Semitism and the demonic spirit that is that is in control of that, you know, and help spread these lies. Because like you said, I mean, when my my husband had a, a really good friend who was a Jewish man, Orthodox, and he goes, um, Mike, he goes, we believe in the same God. He goes, mine just doesn't have children. And it was always kind of funny. It was meant to be funny. But it was true because they think they really think that we have more than one God. Mm-hmm. They think that we are worshiping multiple gods because the first commandment says thou shalt not have any God before me. And that's what they see us doing. So they think that we're the ones that are wrong, but what yeah. they don't get is that we believe in one God. It's just that he is spirit. He is man. He is the father. Right. Right. And and that's that's just that's that blindness yeah that they are in and they are under well what's interesting about about that point is that one of the names of god is elohim which is a plural it is a plural yes. so um yes i believe that that god is one and i i pray the jewish prayers um from time to time and that doesn't mean that i don't believe in the the three persons of the one God, uh, of course I do. Um, but I believe that you can worship God in all three of His manifestations. You can worship Him. You can pray to God the Father in the name of the Son, and the Holy Spirit takes your prayers to the throne room of the Father, and He intercedes for you. And and the Savior who sits now at the father's right hand intercedes for you. It's just a beautiful mystery that, that it doesn't matter how many words we use. We can't fully explain. I don't think that we can even fully understand it to be honest with you, but yes, that is a key stumbling block for a lot of, um, a lot of Jewish people. Mm-hmm. And it's true. I mean, I, I had um, another guest on who talked about sometimes she prays to Yeshua. You know, sometimes she's just calling out for him to save 
somebody, you know, because his name means salvation, the God mm-hmm. of salvation. So he, she's praying salvation. This you are needed in this situation. You are needed. I need you to save. I need you to rescue. And then she's praying to her father, her beloved. And and that's the Mm. thing I learned that when Jesus called God Abba, it was actually a term that I mean, it can mean father, but it also meant beloved. And it's it. And so he was calling on his beloved father, you know, in a sense. Mm-hmm. And and it's OK. You know, we see in the Song of Solomon, right. the beloved and he is known as beloved. And then, like you said, we have the Holy Spirit right. interceding for us because and my husband, and I had this conversation because he was like, oh, I don't know if I pray this right. I I just didn't know. And I said, but that's what the Holy Spirit's for, because the Holy Spirit knows your heart. That's right. And whether or not we get our words exactly right, or we understand even what we're praying, the Holy Spirit knows our heart and he he puts it all to make it make sense to the father, you know, in a sense, that's very, very elementary, but yeah, because obviously God knows everything. And so but he intercedes. He he makes our words make sense. Right. And our heart makes sense to Yes, and Jesus called the Holy Spirit the comforter. So he is our comforter, he is our companion, he is our he is the spirit who lives within the heart of every believer. Uh I saw a meme one time and uh it said something like when I get to heaven I want to talk to Abraham and uh, I want to talk to Moses and I want to ask them what it was like to speak with God, you know, in, in the person of a, of a man, you know, because Abraham had the, the, the three personages come to visit him. And, and it's said that one of those was the pre-incarnate Christ. And, uh, and then, you know, Moses went up on Mount Sinai and, and he had the close encounter with God and all. And, and then the meme said, and those Old Testament people are going to ask you, tell me what it was like to have the spirit of God dwelling within your soul and your spirit at all times. I mean, because in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. it was episodic visitations of the spirit of God, right? But in the, in, in the, um, in the kingdom of Yeshua Hamashiach, in, in the kingdom of Jesus, the Messiah, the Holy Spirit is part of that inheritance and dwells with us continually, never leaves us. That's how Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you because his spirit, one of the persons of the Godhead, lives within us. So I know that in, in my case, there are many times when I fail to appreciate that, you know, I fail to appreciate God living in me as a result mm-hmm. of the gift of salvation. Mm-hmm. And the power we yeah. have through the yes. Holy Spirit. Yes, absolutely. Because they didn't have that. The power of the Holy Spirit came on them. Right. They didn't stay with them. Right. Because they, because Jesus hadn't come and left his Holy Spirit. So it's very, it's, oh, there's, yeah, there's so many intricacies and there's, there's so many layers and it's just beautiful. You know, in the new Testament, we even see things like he'll say as witness to the heavenly hosts, you know, the angels are experiencing 
things through us, not, not in a weird possessive type of way, but through, through their ability to see what's going on and to see what Jesus is and what God's doing from heaven. They're witnessing this thing go on, this whole salvation plan happening before their eyes. And they're the witnesses, you know, and they get to see it. And it, it's kind of strange when we read it that way, but it's true because they get to see God living out this plan through us. Right. That he put into place back in Genesis for us, at least in on our timeline. Before then, actually, from the beginnings, right. foundation of the world. Because in the beginning, God created time first. That's correct. He started time when he said in the beginning, he started time because yep. there was no time before that. And so it, there's just so many cool things in scripture. And when you really understand them, it just deepens your love for Jesus. It deepens your understanding and the heart knowledge that you get in understanding that Jesus is eternal. He's not just a good teacher. He wasn't just a good man. He didn't have the special ability to heal people because he was blessed or because he had these special giftings. He was and is the son of God Mm -hmm. and he is deity and he is the king of the universe. And so, I mean, I guess that's a great place to just wrap it up because I can't, we can't say anything better. (laughs) And I, I think that's the message that we need to get across that Jesus is king. And he's king of you. He's king of me. He wants to be king of every person that might be even listening to this right now, might be listening to my words. He wants to be your king. He wants to be your savior. He wants to love you the way you are. And I heard, and I'm going to end with this because in the Jewish day, it begins in the evening. Right. So it begins in the evening after sundown. And, and you hear this in the creation story, it was evening and it was day and -hmm. God put into motion that it was evening and then it was day. And that's why the Jewish people continue with the evening and it was day. But what I heard this pastor say once, why does it start in the evening? And it's because God loves you when you're at rest. God loves you when you aren't doing anything. It's not performance-based. Right. He starts your day in the evening when you are home, when you are resting, when you are sitting in front of the TV, when you're eating dinner, when you aren't productive, because it's not about how productive you are. It's about that he loves you when you're all done with your day. Right. And that's where he starts. Boom. And I thought that was just so cool. I hope it makes sense. But I thought that was so cool. Yeah. Because to us, we start with our production in the morning. We get up and we're, what can we do? How productive can we be Yeah. in this day? But that's not God's economy. That's not how he starts. Thank goodness. So, Thank goodness. But yes. I, I shudder to think if I had to earn my way to get salvation, yeah. if I had to earn it, if I had to be good enough, well, how good is good mm-hmm. enough? perfection can i do that mm-hmm. no absolutely no nope. jesus in us yes and that's why the law that was given the teaching of god was to prove that they could not be good enough no and none of us can no people group could none of us can Mm-mm. that's right Mm-mm. so thank you 
Thank you so much. This was so much fun. It was fun. And I think we had such a great conversation. So I appreciate your time. Absolutely. My pleasure, Stephanie. Thanks for listening to Grafted Jewish Roots of Christianity. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and recommend it to your friends and family. And don't forget to check out my Bible study, Jewels of Hebrews. That's all for today. See you next time.